Yes. We're recording. Okay, on the count of three, let's clap. One, Why? two, three. <laughs> Why? We're we in the same it. room. We did it. All right. Uh, hey, Jason. Hiya, Tyler. How are you? I am great. Well, uh, if you can't tell by the um, the uncorrected audio of this, mm-hmm. we are in the same room. It's happening. Looking lovingly into each other's eyes uh, in, a very, in a way that's incredibly intimidating. Yes. <laughs> Quite <yeah>. frankly. <laughs> this, this beard does not mess around <laughs> in person. You know. We are back at Studio North. Yeah. Hooray. Huzzah. Welcome back to this thing. We, um, we've taken a, quite a hiatus, mm-hmm. uh, a hiatus that was quite unintentional, especially if you listen to the most recent episode of Reffing the Pastor, where we say, we're back. Yes. With great bravado. Yeah. Um, and so I think the, Jay, you have a question for today. Well, yeah, I, I do. Uh, on, on this particular episode, it's just, uh, what have we been up to? Like, oh, where, yeah. Where, where have we been? Okay, do you remember the last time we recorded a, an episode? I was going to ask, what was the last episode? I think the last episode we recorded Sadly, is one that has yet to be released. Oh, uh, with uh, the Reverend Rebecca DePoe. Yes, which is a very good episode. Yeah, that should have come out, and then it just didn't. And then we realized we needed to record a Welcome Back episode, right, to make sense we, of so, why. So that one is probably that's. I mean, at least August, if not, yeah, late July. Yeah. Yeah, oh, that's late August, July. It was before I went on vacation. I was gonna say August. I was gone pretty yep. much the whole month. Yeah, um, it was it was mid to late July uh, mm-hmm. when that one was recorded. We are recording this one. I usually don't like to include the date in it, but I will today because yeah. it will both show you how long it took me to edit this one and also <laughs> how long it's been since the last time we recorded. Uh, it is uh, September fourteenth. Yes, twenty twenty one. It is pumpkin spice latte. Pumpkin season. spice latte season. Uh, Did you watch uh, last week tonight? Uh, yeah. Which, you know, thoroughly I just, not... I just watched it this morning. Did, yeah. <laughs> I love the heavy metal pumpkin spice latte routine they do yeah. every year. Yeah, and he, like, <laughs> lost it over the, the Bud Light seltzer. Yeah. This isn't fun anymore. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I, um, so what's what's your take on pumpkin spice latte? Where where are you in this, in this, this religious war that is I, the PSL? I think I want to not like it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you'll if you take a whiff of the air in the studio right now. Oh, I do see that you have a a Dunkin' Donuts pumpkin spice large, latte. Oh, Dunkin' Donuts pumpkin spice latte, which is which is well, well, well. the uh, the the bagged cereal yeah. edition of the that's like saying spice I latte. love the McDonald's chicken crispy sandwich, <laughs> crispy chicken sandwich. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, but and and it, 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 it it's for purely practical reasons. Starbucks was on the other side of Route 19, and I forgot that, yeah, and I wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't it about is. to cross. That's the Starbucks where the, the it's so poorly designed that where you go into the driveway is also the park the parking lot uh-huh. is also where the drive through comes out. <laughs> and so if there's enough people, it will actually block the people from leaving mm-hmm. the the window. And so it, it becomes an impasse. It's like that snake eating its own tail. Like that's the the line at that Starbucks, which is I, very funny. I, I took one glance over there and I was like, uh, no, nice. No. I am jealous of the color of your Nalgene. Yeah, that was a purchase as of yesterday. Yeah, it um, looks like a new one. And to to fill in the the listeners, it's opaque. Yeah, it's it's a solid orange. You yeah. cannot see through. Oh it. yeah, not even opaque. Just I mean, like straight up. Yeah, it is. And it's I don't know here. It's like an emergency orange. As as my to celebrate us being in the Safety same room orange. together. Yeah. Uh, give that a squeeze. Squeeze yeah. my Nalgene if you would, because it it's looks a, a little, little softer. Little soft. Little soft. Oh yeah, very very much softer. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's not. 
that's not proper Nalgene business. This is. But just, it says Nalgene on the front. It's, I mean, it's, it's definitely it's definitely real Nalgene, but it's yeah. not the official Nalgene. This is super exciting. Let's talk about more things that people can't see. Yeah. Um, cool hat, bro. So that's so thanks. Uh, <laughs> I I would yeah I'm wearing my new hat my new my. It's a new one. Los Angeles. Yeah. Hat. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the the hat of the Los Angeles Dodgers and the city of Los Angeles. Yes. And a lot of people I love live in Los Angeles. And so that's pretty – I'm a fan of, of hats of cities of, of where people live that I care about. So, city uh, of angels. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, I have uh, – so my pumpkin spice, I used to be really angry about it. Uh-huh. And then I realized what is wrong with me that I would be angry about something that so many people enjoy that really has no bearing on my life. Right. I, uh, I, I got annoyed – as white men do <laughs> by things that change their life that yes. don't affect them. I, I would get annoyed by how much the ubiquity of pumpkin spice flavor in everything. Yeah. I still think it's ridiculous, but also let people live their lives. If they want to eat pumpkin spice Cheerios, go for it. Like there's nothing wrong with that. I also like pumpkin stuff. Like I like pumpkin pie. Yep. Uh, a pumpkin spice latte is not bad. I, I think I get annoyed with the vibe of it. Like with yeah. people just acting like it's the, the coolest thing. It is not the beverage that God himself handed us. Yeah. 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 But, but again, frequently mentioned, uh, Ed Sutter on the podcast at one point really liked a Miley Cyrus song. Oh, Hey. And, and felt guilty about it at to- at the time. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. It's Miley Cyrus. Oh, what am I doing? Of- I, I, I'm going to put a finger in that. I have an update on to how I'm doing. Okay. <laughs> it's not my Spider's related. But as rely, relates yeah. to Miley no, Cyrus? No, it changes, yeah. But Ed came around. He was like, you know what? Look, I don't care. If I like it, I like it. And yeah. that's that's that. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah, that's where I feel. Now, yesterday, I witnessed online, this is where we are as a culture, mm-hmm. Miley Cyrus performing with Metallica. Oh, Yeah. On the Howard Stern show, yeah, Metallica and, is. Uh, they have realized quite rightly that they have nothing more to offer the world, right? And so they are going, and they should have realized that about fifteen years ago. <laughs> but they uh, and they have offered nothing of substance for a while. But they did offer something really great yep. thirty years ago called the Black, Black Album. Album. And so they are remastering the Black Album, and they've asked several different very interesting yep. artists to cover stuff from the Black Album. The Phoebe Bridgers version of Nothing Else Matters is, mm. I mean, it's probably, I don't want to say it's my favorite Phoebe Bridges song because that seems blasphemous, but it is great. Yeah. It's probably, I can't imagine any of the versions of any of the Metallica stuff being better than that. Huh. It is really good. There's also a band called Pup, which I highly recommend. Pup. They are a Canadian band. I need to have my notebook they here are for these. lovely. And it's, uh, Pup stands for... Um, Peace, unity, and purity. It's so, oh, uh, uh, something. It's about unused potential. It's like a, wa- a waste of potential, basically. It's something mm. that their grandmother said to them. They're a Canadian band that's really good. Uh, they, they very like a solid rock band. Yes. Like you would love this, as we've talked about. The, the it's hard to find rock bands, and they have a, a track that they have recorded on that album. So huh. uh, I highly recommend listening Pup. to the band Pup. They swear a lot in their music, so just be aware <laughs> of that. Especially for Canadians, you wouldn't expect them so much. <laughs> They're so nice. Really, really good. They're they're like the best Weezer in that they have simple sounding songs that do very complicated things. And their drummer's incredible. They do a lot of uh, like occasionally they'll just get like a polyrhythm that makes no sense and then it'll come that'll go away. You're like, this song's complicated. Oh, it's not. It's gone. Um, <laughs> P.S. While we're just you know catching up and yeah. inviting everybody else to listen along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was laughing very much out loud, like literal LOL. Uh, you had an Instagram post the other day where you said you, the current listening or today's vibe was 
the last good Weezer album. Yeah. And yeah. it was Pinkerton. It was Pinkerton. And oh, I, I stand by that. I do too. Yeah. But I, I laughed so <laughs> I think, I mean, there have been interesting Weezer albums since then, but not no solid album that I, I mean, the Green Album's maybe the best uh, option for that. Yeah. Uh, but the Green Album's just a bunch of demos. Like, it's a bunch of under, under, under-realized songs. I would put the new album and Maladroit in the same category in that the first four tracks, you're like, oh, you're taking me somewhere, yeah. and then it just falls Maladroit apart. Maladroit is the next best album, and then Make Believe's okay. Yeah, uh, We've talked about it. We did a whole we episode. A if whole... you'd like to hear us talk about a band that no one wants to talk about, listen to the <laughs> Theology of Weezer album. That's like our fifth episode. Um, yeah, the new album is crazy because I listened to the whole thing before I realized there was not a single guitar on that album. Really? Yeah. Okay, human? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. No no guitars in that album for a rock band. Yeah. I think because everybody quit. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's, it's just it's just the bass player and, and uh producer. Rivers Cuomo are are in the band now. I think both Brian Bell and Pat Wilson have huh. quit the band. Who cares? Yeah. Who cares everybody? We, uh, I mean, come on. We got a lot of so, pop culture to so catch here, up on. Here's you know? the uh, yeah, but that's pop culture for a band that nobody cares about. Um here's here's the here's how I'm doing. Here's yeah. what I've been up to. Yeah. I bought two Taylor Swift records. Wow. Purchased with hard, cold cash. Cold, hard cash, I guess is the way yeah. to say it. <laughs> is it the the new stuff? Yeah, it's Folklore and Evermore. Yeah, it's the good ones. But but still, yeah, still, uh, I never thought that that was going to be the part. Speaking of someone who no longer gets mad at other people's enjoyment of pumpkin spice latte, I now fully endorse, highly recommend even, Evermore and uh, and folklore. I, I applaud with every fiber of my being what she's doing right now. Yeah. So for those of you that don't know the story, she I forget how, but she lost the rights to her music yeah, somewhere along like the way. Yeah, like to Scooter Braun, the most ridiculous yeah. name for a human being. If you and here's the here's the thing, like if you've seen the movie uh, uh, Never Say Never. The mm-hmm. just the Justin the classic Justin Bieber movie Never Say Never as classic. I'm sure we I don't even know why I'm asking of course everyone's seen this movie Scooter Braun is like the 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 co-star of that movie mm-hmm. because he was the manager of of one young Justin Bieber pre tatted right. pre tattooed Justin Bieber it's a lovely movie uh, he also was the manager of several other people including Taylor Swift and one of his deals was that he owned the master tapes of all their stuff which doesn't really matter for Justin Bieber because he didn't really write his songs they're all written by Ed Sheeran all the good ones. And, um, and uh, but it was a problem for Taylor Swift, who wrote almost all of her songs. Right, right. So in an effort to stick it to to LeBron, scoot, yeah. stick it to the scooter, stick it to the scooter. As we, that's all, the that, name of this episode. That's, Just that's, put it down it, now. Stick it to the scooter. Stick it to the scooter. No one will understand. That's gonna be the quote. That's the pull quote for this one. <laughs> stick it to the scooter. <laughs> Need to remember that. So in order to stick it to the scooter, uh, Taylor Swift has been going back, and I think she's gonna do everything. Uh, she's been going back and re-recording in reverse order. Uh, all her albums yep. so that she can uh, she can reclaim the rights to her own music yeah which is dumb that she has to but that's that's got that I like that it's also great that. because her voice is a lot better than it used to be her musicianship's yeah. a lot better so she's making like they're it's not reimagined versions of them but it is better versions of them and so it, it's pretty fun this is actually what Prince had said he was gonna do because mm. he didn't have the masters to his uh, his, that's why he wrote Slave on his face for a while. Again, let's talk about people who no one cares about anymore. Mm-hmm. But Prince, at one point, didn't have... He had a, he got in a fight with Warner Brothers, who he had a thing with, and 
uh, he had a contract with and he wrote slave on his face. He stopped going to write prints. It was really weird. And one of the things that he said he was going to do was he was going to re-record all of his old stuff so that he would own the masters so that Warner Brothers couldn't make any money off of it. Yeah. Uh, instead, he got some deal where he like co-owned the masters with them. So he kind of owns everything now. I mean, but, he's dead now, but he kind of owned everything and he only re-recorded one thing and it wasn't that good. Just to keep bringing back you know, old episodes that we should revisit in mm-hmm. the future, but it would be great to have Mover Scott on to talk about the business of music. Yes, there was... I think that there's a good potential to get Mover Scott yeah. back. They they actually got busy making a new album. And yes, that's they what did. got in the way of it. And so I think we're going to have Mover Scott. I would like to have Mover Scott at one point or again. And he had expressed interest. We're talking about Scott Durbin, who was mm-hmm. from the Imagination Movers. And we, we were very likely to get him for yeah. an episode about... Uh, about imagination movie, about yeah. mover Scott, basically, and so I want to have him back to talk about songwriting. But yeah, but I was also reading. I, this is a move in music lately. I was reading a Rolling Stones article about Foo Fighters uh, just before I came here. Mm-hmm. And for those who don't know, Foo Fighters' first album—I don't even remember what's—I think it's Called just self-titled. Foo Fighters, yeah, yeah. Uh, was just Dave Grohl. Just Dave Grohl. It Prince was, album. It was him all by himself playing mm-hmm. every instrument. And in the article, he was saying that he wants to redo that album with the with band. With the band, ooh, that'd be very interesting. And that's what apparently very the band's not into it because like that's his thing. Yeah, and like yeah. I get that, but like they are such a different unit now. Yeah, together, yeah. it would not be as good of an album. I gotta say, I mean, it'd be, I would love for them to do it, yeah. but I I would love it as something almost like this Metallica album where it doesn't replace the other album. It's just right. a, it's it's a revisiting of it. It's a fascination. I think that the Taylor Swift albums, once she, especially now that I'm a new Taylor Swift fan, yeah, uh, I will I will revisit those albums when she re-records them and uh-huh. not the originals. Yeah, I don't because uh, we can all grow and appreciate Pumpkin Spice Latte and Taylor Swift in various ways. Cheers. Uh, and uh, I think with that, does wait. Th- oh, I just real quick. That seemed like such a smooth transition. I, it did, but okay. I have to ask this question: yeah. Does being a new Taylor Swift fan come with some sort of like starter kit? Do you get like a? I mean, the starter kit for me was Evermore and Folklore. Just, just pretend the like those are the beginning of her career. No and, swag or anything, you know. Uh, not yet. Okay. I, I mean, maybe a cardigan sweater and <laughs> and, a, and some braided hair. That's what I think is probably in, I'm in line for. Yeah. So good. Well, with that, I'm, I'm Jay and I'm Tyler, and this is. Roughing the pastor. Okay, so we are back. Yes. Um, welcome, fair listener. If you're a new listener to the podcast and actually didn't realize there was this tremendous gap in this. So let's go back to the beginning. Yeah. What was it, 2018? We've been doing this for a while. Yeah. Longer than it feels like we've yeah. been doing it. We've yeah. been doing it for, I think, 2018. I think we started in the fall of 2018. That sounds right let's, to me. Let's say that. Uh, we did it for a solid calendar year. Mm-hmm without missing a single week. No breaks. Like really ambitious. Mm-hmm. And that was our goal. And we had a good system going. I was going to say, it, it's the system. And yeah. we'll come back to that at the yeah. end because I think we've reestablished. We, well, we're trying to. Yeah. We, let's, <laughs> yeah. One week in, I feel yeah. like, you know, the system's back. I'll, I'll have the horse back here. You just take the cart in front of you. Um, and so we we had done a really good job. We had a good kind of recording um, 
system where we record a couple episodes at a time, sometimes three. Mm -hmm. There was a couple of times we record three in a day and then we had them stagger a little bit. And also I would edit that there was a lot less editing going on in those episodes because we were all in person and uh, we we were a little more focused. So I didn't have to cut (laughs) stuff out as much. Um, but we did a great job of, of actually having, I mean, we had probably, probably the first, let's say like 56 episodes. We were, we were there. We were didn't in the miss, Didn't miss a gap. Like didn't miss a week. And yeah. I remember one time we missed, a, we were like late by like five days. And so I released a mini episode because we were five days late. Like <laughs> it was really, we were really locked into not missing stuff. And then yeah. we, we ended a, se- a, a, a season. We called it the end of the season. And then we started the next season the next week. So yep. there was like no gap. And then we've been on, um, then pandemic happened life happened yeah. all kinds of things happened yep which are very natural and normal and it is very hard to sustain a weekly podcast where we offer at times over two hours of content to you every week yeah uh, and while we still love doing this podcast and, and have no intentions at least in the short term of, of ending it anytime soon mm-hmm. um as you're gonna see today like we're we're really excited to get back into it um but uh it just kind of it became overwhelming and especially as some of the editing of the episodes was, was pretty intensive. They just, they got out of, and we also did have two episodes we recorded that seemed okay in the mix, yeah. but then trying to edit them. Not okay. They just weren't good episodes. And, and we've released, uh, I mean, based one can, one can assess. We've released some episodes that were not as good as others, but I think they've all been good enough to release. Yeah. There was nothing particularly offensive or bad about these episodes. They just weren't very clear. Right. And uh, it wasn't worth the, I, I started to edit them and I would get, bored <laughs> listening to it or exhausted and i realized like we're just not gonna really so all of that happened and i i mean as as i talked about in a previous episode i i got divorced this past year um and so in the midst of pandemic and all of that stuff going on um we actually we kept recording through the initial divorce like that didn't slow us down it was no. just kind of everything since then and i think it just caught up like it was just yeah. a lot of aggregate and I mean, for you too, you started a new job. Well, that's, I think a lot of, a lot of life caught th- up with us. I think at first the first, cause there were, there were definitely like two big breaks. Like we took a break for a little while. We recorded a couple episodes and then took another break. Yeah. And I, I think it's kind of fascinating cause I think the first one was the disruption of the pandemic mm-hmm. and new job mm-hmm. and divorce and new life situation. Yeah. And so like it was the disruption of the unnormal. Mm-hmm. And then I, I realized distinctly like, oh, excuse me. We, uh, we recorded those couple episodes and felt like we were starting to get back into the groove, but then normalcy hit us again. Yeah, Cause yeah. like I hadn't been on a vacation yeah. since the pandemic began. Yeah. Same. Um, and I, so like we recorded those last couple episodes end of July, like, yeah, we're back. Oh wait, we're gone all of August. Mm-hmm. Like both of mm-hmm. us are just getting back to normal and life. And then recovering from the vacation, which is always a thing, like right. getting back into that setup. So uh, it's been, all of that, the moral of that is is saying kind of we're now, I think, endeavoring to to really turn this back into a podcast that's at least more in line yeah. with where we were before, which, where there's weekly releases. Mm-hmm. We may take some um, hopefully more planned out gaps in, in between there with the little breaks uh, at stuff. But I think that we have a system going on now. 
I, the where part, we can do multiple records and kind of bank some stuff. And part of the uh, lacking the Studio South, part of the accountability system is I set up a standing appointment for every other week mm-hmm. in Wexford. That's not this, so yeah. like. I have to be up here anyway, yeah. you know. Um, and we'll still do some. So we'll be able to record in person for these ones. Mm-hmm. I think whenever we have guests, we'll we'll, we'll go back in. to the Zoom ones because yeah. the guests. It's it's harder to zoom in here. The internet is terrible at this church, and yeah. it's also we're in a we're in a in a uh, basically box, yeah concrete yeah. box. So if the world ends while we're recording this, we'll, we'll survive. be fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and let's <laughs> let's not count that out. That yeah, might happen. That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, so part of, in thinking of this though, uh, I think a theme that we floated that, that I like, because this is now effectively the third time we've said, Hey, we're back. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, and it maybe is a little reflective on kind of how life has gone for all of us, um, in the last 18 months, longer than that, almost two years at this point, um, of false starts. Yep. And and the best laid plants, and so I mean, we'll see. You you already know what the title of this episode is, but it's one of those things: the theology of false starts or the theology of the best laid plans. And sometimes we can um, we have we have very clear intentions of what our life is going to be and what things are going to be, and um, it never happens that way. Uh, I think that uh, um, I mean that that phrase like. Uh, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Tell him your plans, uh, which which is really it's true. Yeah, and I think that what I have found in the past year of my life. So again, in April of 2020, uh, I found out I was getting a divorce. Um, in December of 2020, the divorce actually happened. Um, so that's an interesting story of how uh, it didn't happen for a very long, I mean, like it was, I was still living. Those, uh, those don't work like in the movies where it's just, you know. No, no, you know. no. And, and I mean, and we worked really hard to make that an amicable situation. It was very amicable, uh, for those eight months from the time that the divorce was, was happening. So kind of the emotional time the divorce happened to the time where it actually physically happened, uh, like the separation and then the legal, it, it was legally happened, uh, in January. Hmm. Um, uh, but it physically happened to the physical, Separation happened in, in December, which involved telling kids and involved telling churches, involved telling friends, and all of that was very exhausting. But, um, <laughs> and, and I mean, it's just, it was everything that you think it would be uh, and continues to kind of, I mean, it's it's not, well, it doesn't continue to be that. It's continued, it's a sad thing. That's yeah. a scar. Uh, but it's a scar that's healed and a scar that I, I feel uh, we've, I feel some healthy processing has happened. Yeah. Obviously, processing will continue for the rest of my life over something like that. Um, but certainly, uh, something that I hadn't planned, something that uh, I hadn't anticipated, and something that um, I had a, a very clear role in that, mm-hmm. uh, in the relationship and the, the problems with the relationship. Um, but there was a point at which there was, I think, very little that could have been done. And so, uh, and, and that's really hard to, to, to deal with. And so the best laid plans, we kind of say, well, you just do this and you get through the thick and thin. And and I think that we, we, we did a a good job of getting through thick and thin for a while. And then there was a point at which, uh, it just was insurmountable and no amount of planning or, or doing or anything like that was going to salvage it. And that is, that feels like failure. Yeah. That feels like. Uh, it changes the whole plan that I had for my life 
and for the image of who I thought I was. And because I've often said, and I still kind of feel like my two favorite things about myself were being a father and a husband. And I think I'm pretty good at both of those. Um, but that doesn't negate the fact that I could have been a better husband yeah. and that I definitely wasn't the husband that my wife needed. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, that coming to terms with all of that uh, and, uh, and processing that and realizing that um, it's not the end right. is, is both, uh, uh, it's hard to deal with and, and, it, and it's a good process to go through and then you come out on the other end kind of like, oh, that, that I can do new things now. And um, starting over in some, some ways, I mean, it's not starting over because very, very, so much of my life is the same, but yeah. so much of my life is completely different. It does uh, offer some opportunities to realize like, oh, I now, there are other things in my life that I also thought were locked that maybe it locked that I wanted to be locked in a good way. So it's not characterizing the marriage as a bad thing. Right. Um, but that if this one thing that I thought would never change has changed, perhaps there are other things in my life, one that I shouldn't take for granted, yeah. good things that may change without me having a say in it. Uh, and other things that I always wanted to change, but didn't think I could that now I can. Yeah. Another case in point, I lost 60 pounds uh, in the last year. Yeah. Very intentionally. And I think that that's an important thing to say, not out of sorrow or misery no. or out of, it wasn't sadness, weight loss or unhealthy. It was a matter of uh, in the midst of, now it was since March of 2020. Um, and uh, uh, I, so it kind of, it coincided with the divorce and, and that, that understanding, but it also was, I had hit a point where I realized uh, I ha there's so little I can control yep. with the pandemic, with the things that are uh, happening in my relationships, with the church stuff, with all of that stuff. But there's one thing that I can, or there's a, there's several things I can. And one of them is I can stop eating like I'm in a contest every single meal. <laughs> like I really was eating like I was trying to win something. Yeah. And, and I will say, I'm laughing. You've never been obnoxious about the weight loss or the healthy eating other than there are a few episodes of Roughing the Pastor that if you go back, while we were Zooming, and I was listening with my AirPods in, uh -huh. so Tyler's voice is directly in my ear, yeah. where you would have just a colossal bowl of the crunchiest vegetables yeah. yep. feasible. <laughs> uh, there are several eating episodes of Ruffing the Pastor, <laughs> and uh, the, 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 the more healthy things that I'm eating, the louder they yeah. somehow sound, yeah. because it's not like soft pasta <laughs> or burritos. It's oh. like crunchy carrots. Uh, we're not going to do that to you today. Although I did no, bring we, a bag yeah, of, is that, are we? Of, of rice cakes <laughs> <laughs> that I might eat today. It's as if Tyler stands in the grocery store and goes, what's the worst food? What's the most obnoxious, yeah. healthy thing that I could eat? Um, yeah. So, uh, that, but that was realizing life is changing. Not everything. Um, my best laid plans. Uh, I can't control. That was, that was a, a positive change. Like, right. Oh, if I, if this is going to change this thing that I thought was rock solid, um, Maybe the fact, like I had just recently accepted, I'm just a fat guy. Like, and mm -hmm. this is just my life. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be sore. I'm over 40. And this is just like middle age feels like this. And then I thought, does it? <laughs> like that, it realizing to? like not everything else was locked in. I had just gotten rid of all of my clothes that were small, that didn't fit me anymore because I was too fat. 
And <laughs> do you regret that? Like, yeah, was it? <laughs> uh, I mean, I do because I immediately had to buy all new clothes. Uh, but it was a good feeling. I mean, it was like a financial annoying thing. But it's been yeah. every time I have to buy clothes now because it's and I still am in it. Like as I'm going through the seasons, I'm like, oh, this this I I think I've told. At, at length, I probably cut it out at some point, but I went through an experience where I bought a Patagonia jacket and, and it, I got a great deal on it and it was, it came, it was an extra large and then I was able to exchange it for a large. And as soon as I did that, I now am a medium. <laughs> uh, so I can't exchange it again. And so I have this Patagonia jacket that's a little too big, yeah. uh, which is not a problem because I'll wear a hoodie or something. Say, that's, but, that's actually okay for the jacket. Yeah. 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 Um, but it's, uh, the, sometimes your best laid plans will uh, result in some real tragedy, yeah. real real sadness that will never not be sad. Right. Um, but then because of the, sometimes because of those changes, um, you can also realize some things that you didn't know. And some some habit, like I'd, I'd fallen into some bad habits that were all on me. Like it was not anybody else's fault. It wasn't a result of the marriage or anything like that. But I had accepted them and in a weird way, realizing that other parts of my life could change. I, I, it, it woke me up to say like, I can also, I, I have some agency in these other areas yeah. that I've acted like I have no control over and I can start treating myself differently. And it was, it was really gross how quickly I lost the weight because gross in the sense of like, I was working so hard to be fat. <laughs> like I was just doing everything I could to not let my, my body did not want to weigh as much as it weighed. Yeah. And, and I say, I know that that's an annoying thing to say for people who do struggle with, with weight is that, um, to, to have not had a metabolism, at least at this point in my life, like I think at some point my metabolism is going to slow down. It will be a lot harder for me to, to keep weight off. But, um, I was able to lose weight relatively easy, which was nice, but also really annoying because it showed how bad my eating habits had been. Yeah. I, I think the word I, I keep thinking of in all of this is routines. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and here another classic roughing the pastor trope of talking about Enneagram, like nines like you and I are yep. the best. The first of all, the best. Yeah, yeah just of obviously. Of course. Uh, unless that offends you, I don't want the conflict. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> but, uh, we thrive in routine, right? The, the more I can anticipate A, B, and C in my day, week, month, year, yeah. the happier I am. And and the pandemic was the, the genesis of it. Just no routine mattered anymore. Like all the routines got a bomb dropped yeah. right in the middle. Yeah. yeah. And then you throw in, you know, a change of family situation and, and you know, we should do an entire episode on pastors in the pandemic I think we did, but like yeah, part we, two. Yeah, we should. Because like we're still We should going. release part one. There was a, we should release part one. <laughs> that's the good episode. That's the Rebecca DePoe oh, okay. episode. Yeah, it's yeah. really good, yeah. But even that, and that's that's super funny too, because back then we thought we were done. Um, yep. I saw an article about pastors during the pandemic comparing it to, like if you've run a marathon and you know, you're know you pushing and you're, you're huffing and puffing and, and you finally get across 26.2 mile finish line. And then someone comes up beside you and says, hey, guess what? You have to do another one. Yeah. And that's exactly what this pandemic has felt like, particularly in church world, right? Like, hey, you made it. You're done. The vaccines are working. Oh, guess what? Delta. Yeah. Uh, get Lace up those shoes again. You're not done yet. Even in that episode, I think you'll hear, I've been incredibly dubious about, like, as as we've all wanted this thing to be done, um, I still, and I felt like, like chicken little just kind of saying the sky is falling and like, or like Cassandra, there's this great Greek myth of Cassandra who is 
uh, like doomed to know the world is going to end, but have no one believe her. Yeah. And so it was just like a really great Greek tragedy of like knowing that catastrophe is coming and have no one trust you. Um, and, uh, that I felt like that at times, especially as we've all been like, no, we're fine. And we're like, are we like, I'm yeah. not a, I'm not a, a hypochondriac or a, like a, a pessimistic person, but I also know that like, it will hurt a whole lot more if we start getting ready for things to be done. And, and then not, and then like, think of how much we were into washing our hands before and how mm. we just don't care about it anymore. Like we'll, <laughs> we'll maybe wear the masks because we're good people, but we don't care about washing our hands and sanitizing the way we used to. Yeah. And that's, it's not like that one way. Nope. <laughs> like we still should it's be just, doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, you know, to be clear while we're bringing up everybody's favorite topic, it's still, even though there are breakthrough cases or whatever, it is still very much a problem among those who are unvaccinated. So if by chance some listener of ours has not yet been vaccinated and was looking for the voice of two 30-something, 40-something-year-old white 40, guys. I'm almost 42, so yeah. yeah. In case there weren't enough of us white guys telling you what to do, go get the shot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if you have no white men voices in your life <laughs> telling you how you should live. Happy to provide yeah, a service. We are happy yeah. to be those people for you because <laughs> who... You know, how where would society be without white men? Yeah, I mean, uh, except for way better, way <laughs> yeah, better. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but just go get your shot, please. please, 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 please. There's no good reason to not have a shot, there just isn't. Um, yeah, yeah, so but yeah, so and even again, coming off the heels of that, um, that season where we thought, hey, we're, we're at least approaching something looking like a clearing, yeah, you know, yeah. we absconded on vacation. Uh, and, and things just kind of shut down again. Yeah. yeah. So how, um, I mean, I've done a lot of talking about my, my plans. How, so this is both a, how are you doing? And, uh, uh -huh. and what, what's your plans? How have things changed for you over the last two years? What are some plans that you had that maybe didn't, <laughs> didn't pan out? I, uh, I mean, man, I've had a lot of plans. If we're going back the last two years, it yeah. just didn't pan out. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, uh, before laboratory called, um, I was looking at pretty seriously looking at church planting. Well, and um, also, uh, so to to bring folks up to speed who may not be, yep. who may not have have watched the whole the whole series. <laughs> this, so do the, the Snyder cut. Yeah. Of uh, the well, hello, I'm Tyler. <laughs> uh, Jay and I are both pastors in the Presbyterian Church. Yep. Um, we are both solo pastors yeah. at, at mid, I mean, kind of smaller churches. Yeah. Uh, they definitely smaller churches, but but for Presbyterian churches, like medium sized churches. But <laughs> what that means is that we both have congregations of about like a little over one fifty around. Uh, mine's, around mine's eighty. Okay. So oh, pretty, okay. Yeah. That's your active membership. That, I mean, that's on the rolls. Membership. Oh, on the rolls, eighty. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we're at like one sixty five, I think. In church, we're good for like twenty. Yeah. Twenty five. Yeah, yeah. So like so that. smaller churches then. Yeah. Um, and, and yet when we started this podcast, you were an associate pastor and yeah. a, a, a for youth and media, it's youth, contemporary worship and media. Yeah. yeah. And, and at, at this very large church, Huge. 1500 members, 18, 1800, 1800 members, members. Yeah. um, and had done youth ministry. You've been there for 12 years, 13, 13 or 14 years, something okay. like that. Yeah. So, uh, that's where we started. And then halfway through the run. You uh, took this call yeah. at, at uh, in Washington, Pennsylvania, which is about an hour from here. Hour uh, yeah, give or take from here, uh, yeah. just up seventy nine. Yeah, in a little town called Pancake, <laughs> uh, which makes me laugh every time I say I it. I forgot that it's called Pancake. <laughs> okay, so that's where we are. So, yeah. Um, 
That's where we're not. So, so I'm sitting at an 1800 member church thinking about starting my own congregation, which requires a certain level of insanity all by itself mm-hmm. um, to, to step out and just start something. And did a couple of things. The Presbyterian Church has a lot of really good uh, church planning resources, including a discernment uh, weekend, I guess to say. Also, to people who don't know what church planting is, that right. is starting, starting a, a church. church. Yeah. yeah, starting from from scratch. Um, and so, this sounds arrogant, but like riding a season high of just like everything I was doing was working. Yep. Uh, walked into this discernment weekend and pitched this idea for a church plant, and um, it, it was a whole weekend of people essentially quizzing me and grilling me, and I was like, "Yeah, good. This is fine. This is lovely." Yeah. I got to the end of that, and they were like, "No." Oh man, you're not a good fit for this. Oh man, and that was, boy, the, I think one of the hardest points in life was the plane was delayed on the way home. Where was that? That where was that? Louisville, uh, Austin, Texas. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> Austin's a great city. Maybe Texas is a weird, <laughs> weird state all by itself. For this is all. another running theme in the in the in the in the show is Tyler hates Taylor Swift and Texas, <laughs> and one of those things is not true anymore. Yeah, right. It's not Texas. <laughs> yeah, not Texas. Yeah. Austin's, I feel bad for Austin. Poor little Austin. Yeah, stuck in the middle of Texas? Yeah. Yeah, it's the worst. Yeah, they're not in a good (laughs) spot. I've been stuck in the middle of Texas before, and it was not fun. (laughs) Sorry to apologies to our Texas listeners. Yeah, all all two of you. I don't know who you are. I don't know why you live in Texas. (laughs) Sorry, sorry, Jill. (laughs) But but that was tough, you know, coming home, the flight was delayed, so just sitting in a a gate alone with your thoughts. Because it really was and I, I still need to write a letter to the people that organize these things. It's a whole weekend of activity, 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 yeah. activity. Yeah. Hey, you didn't make the cut. Okay, have a good flight home. Yeah. Like, it, that was really it. There was no runway. It's like being on American Idol. Yeah. There's no <laughs> runway to par- process. It's just like, thank you. Here are your parting gifts. Goodbye. Yeah, see ya. Uh, so, like, sitting there and trying to figure out what what now? You know, like, this that was the plan. Yeah. Uh, and that plan's gone. Uh, and when was, was this? <sighs> That's what I was trying to think. It was like December of 19. Okay. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. But then almost as quickly when I got back home, yeah. uh, laboratory, Presbyterian Church where I work now. Um, and they called up and they're like, we're laboratory Presbyterian Church. You may have heard about us and our wonderful bathrooms. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So Internet-renowned <laughs> bathrooms. <laughs> so Tyler, when I was, was uh, sniffing around and interviewing and stuff, Tyler looked them up and the only thing you could find on the internet yeah. was... Somebody reviewing some weirdo who like goes to churches and <laughs> reviews their bathrooms <laughs> has a whole YouTube channel yeah. on reviewing I don't bathrooms. Know, it's, not a, it's just like a blog. It's like a Tumblr <laughs> about <laughs> reviewing church church best and does it like not as a like creepy gross thing. No, just like yeah, this is a great bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> it's like four out of five stars. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, I think they got five out of five. Yeah, I, wonderful. Well, La- the laboratories and laboratory. So for those of you that don't know, in the Presbyterian process, you go and you interview. Um, well, yeah, let's start there before yeah. I get back to the five yeah, out of five yeah, bathrooms. Yeah. Um, so they, they started calling, and um, I, I was like, yeah, sure, why not? You know, Thinking, I think, ultimately at the beginning, like this is just good interview practice, right? Like I, there's no way I'm going to leave a church of 1,800 members for a church of 25. Mm. Um, this would just be good interview practice. Also, and, the, the church that you were at was five minutes from your house? Yeah. And this one is 45 minutes I, from your house. I think I have so few regrets about what's transpired other than I can't ride my bike to work anymore. Yeah. Well, you like, could, but you'd be you'd have to leave at four in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> it's doable. I plan the route, but yeah. Um, but then as the interviews kept pressing on, like, no, no, this is 
this is compelling. There's good stuff here. There's good work that could be done here. Um, so we played around with that. And then uh, it was in March of 2020 that I had the last... No, nothing eventful happened that month. <laughs> I had my last interview with them. And the day after that interview, I was leaving for a trip to Nashville um, with Marco Stryker to become... I know Tyler will roll his eyes immediately at this, Marco. but to become a certified coach... So we're in Nashville uh, and and get, doing the certification training, and it, it's with Marco and some other people that I really know and trust. I even said at the end of the last interview, like, hey, I'm going on this trip. I'm going to use that to discern whether or not this is the right answer or not. I'm going to talk it over with my, my people and pray mm -hmm. about it. And um, On March the 12th, I uh, called the, the chair of the PNC, the pastor nominating committee in Presbyterian lingo. Yeah. And accepted the job very gratefully, hung up the phone and looked at the news on my hotel room TV nice, nice. and saw that the NBA and the NHL had canceled yeah. the rest of their seasons. It's crazy how that made it real. Uh -huh. Like the NBA. That was it. Because we were all like, yeah, there's a big thing. And then we're like, NBA is not playing. It's like, what? Oh, oh no. Well, well it, was I guess that... it was two things in quick succession because it was also uh, Tom Hanks got it like that day. Oh, it was that day? I think so. Oh, no. I thought it was later than that. No, I'm pretty sure it was... Because I think when Hanks got it, it was we'll kind of We'll have to like, ask Bartleby yeah. to let us check know. It, check in on that, Bartleby. Oh, Bartleby. And now that we're back in person. Yeah, exactly. Has anyone fed him? I don't think so. But but I remember looking at that news and going, huh, that might disrupt the plans I've just made. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because again, in Presbyterian, the Presbyterian system, uh, you once you've accepted the job, you're still not across the finish line yet. You have to go to the church in question and preach a sermon and then the entire congregation will give you an instant grade on what you just preached by taking a vote as to whether or not you are the pastor or not. Um, and the, with COVID, a lot of the rules are written that that has to happen in person. So when all of our worship services got shut down forever, um, that you couldn't do that. Yeah. Uh, so I got stuck in this weird... No man's land. Yeah. Um, I remember how innocent it was thinking, ah, it's just a couple of weeks. So yeah. won't put us too far oh, behind. Yeah. Remember when we all thought that? Yeah. When we all thought it was going to be a couple of weeks? Not then so. Then we went back and all of our like plants and goldfish had died because we... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I think that was March. I accepted the job. I didn't get to preach there until the end of June. Yeah. Um, at which point I was nervously pacing in the basement and went into the bathroom and walked around and said... It's a five-star bathroom. This is bathroom. the place for me. It's a five-star oh, it. bathroom. Uh, <laughs> so it was a nice little piece of confidence there. Yeah, that was, yeah. If ever there was a doubt, God was like, why don't you go to the bathroom? Yeah. Check this out. But then that, it, even that, you know, just thinking about the rhythms of, of routine and habit, like that season began in-person worship for a while. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then around Christmas, around Thanksgiving, mm. we were going. 2020. Yeah, maybe maybe not anymore. Uh, we shut down again. You know what they say about hindsight? 2020? Yeah. Yeah. I think they mean by that that if you can look back to the year 2020, it will just kill you yeah, instantly. Yeah, don't, don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> Lot's wife. Yeah, don't, don't, don't look, look back. back. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, that was just a whole lot of disruption mm -hmm. all by itself. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's, that's weird, trying to find your footing. Going from an associate pastor to a senior pastor or solo pastor is a weird transition. Yeah. Uh, I think under the best of circumstances, yeah. I wouldn't know because I've never done it under the best of circumstances. So do you think any of this 
having not gone the way you planned it, mm-hmm. uh, obviously there's lots of disadvantages to that. Right. What advantages have you found since? Because you can't change it. No. Like what are what are things that you did that you wouldn't have done? Uh, what are some successful things that you've done and practices that you've taken on because of this that you wouldn't have done otherwise? Yeah, I mean, kind of on that hindsight is twenty twenty thing. I think about had they said yes in December of 2019 Mm -hmm. and had I moved to start my own church, figure out the financial instability of this, like it would have all hit. Oh yeah. This is the worst time to have started a church. It would have been horrible. I mean, just absolutely. So there's to over spiritualize it slightly, but Mm -hmm. I don't think too much. Yeah. Um, I love that. I love when we as pastors apologize for talking about God. I do that all the time. (laughs) But it does kind of feel like that disappointment in particular was a like, I know this sucks for you. Yeah. But trust me. Yeah. Hold on to this because you don't want to do that right now. Um, And that's, I don't know, someday maybe down the road, come back to planting. Like that, that's still something I feel like doing. Yeah. Um, But again, it, it just, it's amazing how quickly I fell in love with the people of the new church. Yeah. And like, I wouldn't trade, and definitely some training wheels moments for solo pastor. Yeah, you know, trying to figure out how to moderate. We have a session is our governing, but it's like this is both how we doing and a Presbyterian crash course. Yeah, one yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but like for the associate pastor, it's a lovely job because session means nothing to you. You go and you listen and you chime in every now and again with your two cents and you walk out. When you're solo pastor, you are running that meeting mm-hmm. and all that is entailed in terms of votes and keeping the conversation rolling and trying to keep temperatures down when people get upset. And it's a skill set that I definitely had to sharpen. Yeah. Um, the first yeah. couple of me, I don't want any tape of those first meetings mm-hmm. to surface, you know? Well, and it's no one becomes a pastor so that they can run a session meeting. It's the, no. it's the one thing that you have to do that, that some people love doing it, but it's not the same skill set as, as pastoral stuff. It's not, mm-hmm. not like preaching. It's not like be, doing pastoral care. It's not fellowship. It's, it is administration. Yeah. And some people love it and some people, and, and it, you could be a great pastor and be terrible at, at that. And that's a hard thing to come to terms with. I think I might fall in that category. It's like, <laughs> I'm not good at administration, yeah. uh, but I'm, but I'm real good at all the relational stuff and all of the like theology. I think I'm good at that stuff. But um, the, uh, oh, one of the other things that you probably don't realize as to me, that was a big shock from going from associate to head of staff. Mm-hmm. Um, again, solo pastor is probably a better way to put it is when you're an associate and you get to preach six times a year yeah, you, and you love it. And you, especially if you love, if you love preaching, you think, I wish I could do this every week. And then you get to do it every week and it's both great and mm-hmm. terrible. Yes. Uh, cause it, it, I would imagine it's like if you're, when you write songs, um, you probably love it when you write a good song and you think I should do this more often. Yep. And then someone says, okay, do it every single week. Yeah. It's doable, but you have to both get, get like exercise that muscle of being able to do it quickly and also get okay with putting one out every once in a while. That's not great. Well, not even just that. I think uh, so I did that candidating sermon mm-hmm. and a, a typical associate pastor. I had weeks to work on that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and fine tune and polish. Yep. And, and then a, a really great piece of advice. My former boss at Westminster gave me was pre write the first eight weeks. Oh man. Of sermons. Oh man. Uh, in the transition, yeah, which again, COVID, I was actually able to do because I wasn't doing much at Westminster. Well, I was doing a ton at Westminster, but I wasn't yeah. writing, yeah, yeah, uh, as much. So I wrote the first eight week series, and that felt like a blockbuster because I had all kinds of time to work on. It. 
it was a couple of months after that that I started saying, I haven't preached a really great one in a while. Yeah, yeah. They've all been fine. Yeah, yeah. Like, they're all okay. But that, I really took my time and fine-tuned it. And yeah. You don't have time for that. No, you don't. <laughs> well, and, like, that's the thing is, like, coming to terms with, I think um, it's so interesting the difference in terms of how seminary and other pastors view sermon writing Mm -hmm. versus how the rest of like the world views it because for many people they think what you work one hour a week right and and at most what do you work two hours a week like an hour getting ready and then an hour preaching yeah and what they say in seminary is that for every hour for every minute of a sermon it should take you an hour to prepare yeah something like that so if you're doing... I carve a pretty good middle road there. Yeah, but it's something like if, if you're preaching 20 minutes, it should take you 20 hours, Yeah, uh, which on one level is insane. Yeah. And on another level is like, no, that's probably not... That's, that's probably true. Close. Like half of my week is dedicated to working on the sermon. Yeah. That's almost exactly right. I, I My little habit, since I, again, we like routines, right? Mm-hmm. Um, since I settled into the new routine is the mornings are all set aside for sermon writing. Yeah. I'm my freshest in the morning yeah. for creative work. So like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday from nine to noon ish yeah. is the first half of the week is researching the sermon. The back half is writing it. Yeah. Which seems um, insane. Like yeah. when, when you talk to the layperson about like uh layperson meaning people who aren't pastors, um, it seems like that's a lot of effort put into something that may be okay. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, and, and yes, that's true. Yeah. Uh, like I've, I've heard many sermons. I've delivered many sermons where I thought like, mm, it didn't sound like I put more than 20 minutes of effort into this. <laughs> yeah. And if I put more than 20 minutes effort to, into it, shame on me. Like yeah, right. if it only took me an hour of prep for this, like, yeah, it seems fair. It seems like it was okay enough for someone who just like read the passage and then was like, well, here's what I think about it. Yeah. And that's it. But most of the time it's a lot of, a lot of digging into meaning, a lot of wrestling with like the language. Like, yeah. if yeah. You, I think that not that you have to do it this way, but a lot of times is spent spent doing a lot of work that nobody sees. Yep. Uh, and and if you do it right, they shouldn't have to see it, but you've done the work. And then sometimes you can invite them into that. Like you can, be, whenever a pastor says, "Well, in the original language," like they better have a good reason for saying yeah. that phrase because that's immediately like saying, "I'm smarter than everybody else," yep. which is not the case. But you just have more time to spend with it. I, I have a a the sermon writing software. It's Logos Bible Study. If anybody's mm-hmm. interested, mm-hmm. Um, and it has a workflow for sermon prep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, start here, pray about it, mm-hmm. read the ser- the passage a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the whole way through you're making notes mm-hmm. and, and it eventually compiles into a big notebook. And I think when I get around to writing it, about 85% of the notes I've taken are, that's really interesting. But who cares? But I'm not going to say <laughs> yeah. that in the sermon. Yep, you know, yep, like, yep. that's really cool, but I'm not touching it. And I, at best, some of that stuff will show up subtext. Like, mm-hmm. I know I'm pointing at that, mm-hmm. but I'm not, like, blatantly coming out and saying, mm-hmm. this is what you should be paying attention mm-hmm. to. Like, we mm-hmm. just don't have that kind of time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, all that was very routine disruptive. Um, and it, it, it continued, you know, again into the summer Yeah, as things got normal, the routine got disrupted again. Yeah. It was like, we should probably take a break. Yeah. Uh, it's been a hot minute since Yeah, it had been, my boys were three yeah. the last time they're five now. They're almost six now. Yeah. Um, they were like two or three the last time we had gone anywhere as a family. That's wild. Um, just, you know, the way it all shook out time wise. So it was like, we got to get away. Um, 
Well, there's two things that, in terms of best life plans that I would say about this. One for the church uh, and individuals, and then one talking about the Bible, um, as we uh, somehow uh, always apologize whenever we do that. Sorry. Sorry. The, these two white pastors a, are going to talk about the Bible. What a shock. Uh, so I'll talk about the Bible first. Um, I know we've mentioned this before, but I think this is an appropriate time for it. it this is So there's a time in the Bible known as the exile. Mm-hmm. And the exile is a really important part of the story of Scripture that we don't really talk about no. very much. Like, it, it's imp- it's essential to understand because Jesus understood it. Everybody understood it at that point. We kind of talk about the Exodus for the Old Testament. We talk about the resurrection for the New. And an important part is the exile. So the yeah. exile is this weird thing that happened where the Babylonian Empire, uh, as they would take over places, um, they would, uh, a lot of conquerors, the Roman Empire would just come in and conquer a place and say, now you are all Romans, and you can <laughs> still do the stuff that you, it's like what the Americans do now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And they say, you can still be the people that you are, you just belong to us, and so you just have to pay taxes to us and not, not cause problems, and if you don't cause problems, then we'll protect you. Mm-hmm. Um, the Babylonians did a really interesting thing where they would go in and they would take all of the skilled and smart people and take them back to Babylon. Yep. Babylon, which is in Iraq. So mm-hmm. like that Iraq around, like that that part of the world. And so they conquered much of the world, and they used that to get all of the smartest people in all of these um, places to do all of their biggest business for Babylon, um, for, the, for the capital in there. And, and that's where you get the story of Daniel. That's where you get all of these different... Esther happens during Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, yeah. and Abednego. Yeah, and so uh, their model was taking... They, so they, they basically kidnapped large portions of people, and they left the unskilled workers to, to be in this place. And so that's a big part of the story. And this lasts for like 80 years, where, where um, the whole, the, the Israel uh, is conquered, and they take all of the best people back to Babylon. And in the midst of that, you get this book, Jeremiah. Jeremiah is a prophet who is a prophet during the exile. Mm-hmm. And there is a very famous verse from Jeremiah. That you probably, probably have it on your coffee. Cross-stitched yeah. in your grandma's bathroom. <laughs> yep. Um, and it's this one. And we, we love to use this and we miss the point yep. of this. And, and the, it goes like this. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and to give you a hope in a future. Uh, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope in a future. Yep. Sounds lovely. It is wonderful. And it makes us feel like God knows what he's doing. Yep. And like God knows what's going to happen for me. And that's, that's great that no matter what happens, God has a plan for me. And right after that in Jeremiah, God says, but it's not going to happen for another 70 years. Yep. So settle in. And that's, uh, and he, and, and God says, so get married to Babylonians, yep. build houses in Babylon, do good things for the people of Babylon. Dig like in, do, don't, don't just like save the good stuff for later. Like spend your, live your lives. And, but 70 years means that all of the people that God is talking to are not going to get out of this. Right. It's a generation. So what God is saying is I know the plans I have for you and you're never going to see it. Yep. It's going to be the people that come after you. Incidentally, quick side note, Jay rant. Speaking of the language being difficult to understand, the you there is plural. Mm-hmm, 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 I've, mm-hmm. I've had my fill of, I'm going to complain a lot probably about this, but America has turned, it's always been there, but yeah. we have turned so hard into individualism right now. Well, and, and our religion is based on personal relationship with God. And that is not, not the case true. in Scripture. It's our, our relationship is always corporate. It's yep. always in context of community. And that we as individuals have a role that we need to take part in that. But 
being called into relationship with God is being called into relationship with the body of Christ, which is other people. Our relationship with God does not exist in a vacuum. And a close personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that phrase does not exist in the Bible. That idea does not exist in the Bible. It is impossible to have a real, it's like singing. uh, It's like, it's like belonging to a choir but never singing with other people like that. Yeah. That is just impossible. It's like being in the marching band and, and by yourself. But, but but by yourself, like you just can't do it. It's right. it's impossible. So the notion of being in relationship with God outside of relationship with other people is just anathema. Yeah, which is it's not to say that you are not an individual in that situation. No, it's yeah. what makes up the whole body yep. is a bunch of individuals like a marching band. Right. Yeah. But they're not the sole focus, and and so it's a double whammy on that one in terms of like people with the coffee mugs and the cross stitching right like yeah that's not coming for 80 years 70 80 years but the you is plural it's not i god knows the plans that he has for jason fryer yeah like that that's not the promise of that scripture for as true as it might be yeah that's not what that scripture is about yeah um well and and so the you is is like the larger humanity it's the it's the and it's not just israel no like and that's an important thing too. It's not God's chosen people; it's God's chosen people as humanity. Yep. That God has plans for us, and it's to prosper humanity and not to harm us. And even though it feels like we're getting hurt, because right after that's like, and it's going to suck for a while still. Yep. Uh, we have lost that. So like everything that we're struggling with right now as a culture, is, in terms of uh, like the pandemic, I don't want to do this thing that will help other people because that might inconvenience me. Yeah. That is in that like the indirect opposition to this notion of like doing the greater good of God having a plan for us all and like climate change and uh, just any of these things where like, what, like, why would I get a, why would I use less carbon uh, stuff if it, if I can't see the difference and like, we cannot comprehend doing things to help generations that we won't see. And I I feel like it's just been getting more and more acute yeah. And we're still ignoring it. Like the mask. I don't think it's cute at all. I think it's ugly. Uh, cute. Uh, cute. <laughs> like the mask thing drives me crazy. Like Ugh. so the science Get is, vaccinated, everybody. Wear a mask, please. Well that, yeah. I mean, obviously. But the mask thing, again, as I understood it, as as told to me by Dr. Fauci and other smart people. Yeah. Uh, that's the first thing. Anytime someone's like, well, you just listen to doctors on the media. No, yeah, of I course have, I have doctors in my family too that yeah. are saying the exact same thing. Yeah. So like, but chill. also, yeah, I'm listening to doctors. Right. Yeah. Uh, you come to me for Bible stuff. I go to them for germ stuff. Yeah. Yep, like yep, that's, yep. that's how it goes. Um, but the, the way I understand the mask is it doesn't protect me so much from the virus. It, it offers some protection, Yeah. but what it's really doing is protecting you yeah, from the virus. Yeah. If I have it mm. and, and, and it's a physical, forget the politics, forget the everything. It is a physical manifestation of love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. And we can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> Which can't. should not be a surprise because we're terrible at doing that uh, anyway. Yes. But like like the fact that I can't handle that your coffee mug doesn't say Merry Christmas on it, <laughs> like that is amazingly insane yeah. that 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 I would get worked up about that 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 I walk into a store and you don't tell me Merry Christmas like not that I don't it's not even that I care about whether or not you care about Christmas mm-hmm. like that that'd be one thing which I also think is wrong like if if I'm so concerned that you don't experience that I need to evangelize you to you every time I can walk into Walmart like that's one thing but the fact that you aren't evangelizing to me when right. I walk into like when I get a Starbucks like pumpkin spice latte that I guess is still being served during the Christmas season in this analogy as it should be. Yeah. 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 Um, so the, the other, the, the other thing that I had was that in the context of that, in the context of, 
of this scriptural understanding. And this is consistent with how Jesus is talking. Like mm-hmm. Jesus is saying, like, take up your cross. Like, if you follow me, it's going to suck. Like, yeah. it's we are not promised good things. We are promised yeah. that it will work out in the end. That is the promise, that everything will work out in the end. If it's not, if it hasn't worked out, then it's not the end. And that Jesus says, yeah, it's going to be hard, but it will be worth it. And this is the right thing. And that you will be persecuted because of me. People will hate you because of me. People will think you're stupid because of me. Not to say, hey, we Christians are being persecuted by people not saying Merry Christmas to us. It's that if you do this right, if you actually love your neighbor, people will think you're an idiot. Yeah. And (laughs) that's okay. And they might even get so angry at you, they try to stop you from Mm -hmm. caring for immigrants, from caring for prisoners, from caring for poor people, from giving away the resources that you have to help others, from creating systems that don't oppress people, from fighting against oppression, like all of those things will get you branded as someone who is dangerous and should be fought against by those who are in love with power versus in love with love. And so, yeah, go, go, sorry. Two stories on that, because I think think this actually circles it back around for as much as this was a tangent-ish. Um, first of all, when I was at college, um, I was a music major for a while and I switched to religious studies cause I can't read music. And it turns out that's very important to being a music major. Yeah, yep. Um, Call back to a previous episode. Yeah. Marching band episode. But so I, 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 I can't remember if I told this story in that episode either, but, um, after I'd made the switch for a little while, I met up with some of my old music buddy friends and we were walking. Um, and there was this preacher that would always stand in our IUP had an Oak Grove. Um, and, and this guy would just stand there every Thursday and kind of preach at the drunks and, you know, frat boys that were going to party that night. And I mean, he was mildly annoying, but mostly harmless, right? Like he wasn't the kind of preacher that I roll my eyes at. It was just kind of like, uh, okay. Um, but so I'm walking with these drummer friends of mine and they're asking like, why on earth did you switch to religious? Why would you participate in whatever that is? And I gave this big rousing speech, college self, you know, that, that it's not that bad. Like we're not judgmental that way. Like not all of us are anyway. And, and we love everybody and it's, it's, it's all good. And we round the corner to go into the Oak Grove and there are people who had flown in for the occasion, uh, carrying, I'm not kidding, 30 foot signs, Ooh. 30 foot signs. I'm talking it. They had a belt that could hold the, the flag. Yeah. Uh, and 30 it, feet. It was huge, towering over so everybody. So that's like three mm-hmm. three basketball hoops yeah. tall. Yeah. Wowzers. Special harnesses all about, yeah. you know. The funniest part about it is on their, their specialized holster to hold the flag, they also had a specialized holster for their Bible. Uh-huh. Uh, and not just the little one, the, the full-on yeah. King James study Bible. Yeah. Oh, cl- of course the King James. Yeah, right. Yeah. As it was originally written. Yeah. Good enough for Jesus. So I went Good out. Good enough for me. So I, first of all, wrecked any hope I had of talking my friends into Christians are not judgmental, right? Because... <laughs> It took the words, uh, meant nothing yeah. at that point, what I was saying. Yeah. So I sat through my next class steaming and eventually went outside and like, what the heck to yeah. the person yeah. with the flag? Yep. I, like, and tried to explain like, I was doing something yeah. and you wrecked it. Yeah. And she came back with that verse. They will hate you because of me. <laughs> and I was like, I don't hate you because of, Jesus, of Jesus right yeah. now. <laughs> I hate you for other things. Yeah. Uh, and, and so don't use that verse as a like, well, I can do what I want because yeah. Jesus said I'd be persecuted. Like, yeah. that's not it. Yeah, uh, It's what you were saying. Like, it, doing Jesus-y stuff is so radically countercultural yeah. that, that it looks weird. Yeah. Why are you still it's wearing a, a mask? It's a threat to the empire. Yeah. 
and I mean, this gets back to the uh, Kaminoor and coffee, or Kaminoor and coffee, Kaminoor and ice cream episodes. That, yeah, that, that it's Empire. Well, we're just calling them all back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is a good. Uh, this is a good <laughs> wrap up. Uh, this so, but that sense that Empire is not the same as Jesus, mm-hmm. and that we like to fold them into each other. And we like to say, well, Jesus is our king, so we have the empire of God. Like, we are a Christian nation. Nope, that's not the purpose, and that's not the thing. And mm-hmm. the nation it has diametrically opposed goals to what Jesus is calling us to do. Yep. And the it's a threat to power. Jesus is a threat to power. And so anytime we do things that are about surrendering ourselves and, and being humble before others, yep. that is a threat to the to the status quo and we will be called dumb at first, and then we will be called heretics, yep. and then we will be called criminals. Yep. And that and it's and that's the persecution, not persecution for doing what is blatantly, morally blatantly right, stupid, yeah. but for doing what is loving. Yeah. That when you love people too much, uh, in non creepy ways, um, then people will stop you from doing that because they see that if you can do it, then that means they can do it, and if they can do it they don't want to do it and so they're going to say that what you're doing is stupid rather than saying what you're doing is okay and i just don't want to do it and to circle the conversation all the way back part of the reason that's true and part of the reason that empire doesn't understand when we act that way is because it is it is saying that all the plans you've made for yourself are invalid yeah um you know i have a plan to be a prosperous middle uh middle class Mm-hmm. And two car garage. Modest plans. Modest right. plans of prosperity. Yeah. Right. Like I, I have made this plan. Yep. And I think part of the cultural freak out right now, part of, there's a lot of cultural freak out. You yeah. can't just blame it on one thing. Yep. But part of the cultural freak out is I had my plans. Yep. And everything we're being asked to do right now, at least in terms of the pandemic, is to pitch our plans. Yeah. I plan to walk un, uh, unmasked through grocery stores yeah. the rest of my life. Yeah. I'm sorry, that plan's invalid. Yeah, and yeah. we've and culturally we've agreed to put them on hold, but not get rid of them. And right. now that we've we've been holding long enough, we're like we're just going to do it now. Yep. I'm just going to do. All, I'm going to have the wedding. I'm going to I'm going to have the party. I'm going to go to all the concerts. I'm going to yep. do all the things. And I'm tired of wearing this mask. I did it long enough. And, and a part of me gets that. Like, yeah. I, <laughs> I am now on my I think fourth or fifth rescheduled Ben Gibbard show. Mm. My friend and I <laughs> bought tickets before the pandemic, and he keeps like, okay, this is the month. Yeah. And then he comes yeah. back around. and It's like no. And that frustrates me. This beard does not like masks yeah, at all. Yeah. Like nothing about this is enjoyable for yeah. anybody. Well, and here's the, so to take it to uh, the, my, my second point that I had a while ago, <laughs> that the, so we can be mad about the missed Ben Gibbard's show, mm-hmm. but we can also recognize that you got a year's worth of, of free Ben, Gibbs, yeah, ben so Gibbard shows, sure which are did. in some ways better. Mm-hmm. Better than than in person stuff because he's doing Ben Gibbard, lead singer of Death Cab for Cutie, and uh, and the defunct on hiatus like per, like the uh, also pers- postal service the one off they whatever. just did one yeah yeah um, but so Ben Gibbard decided to do a free concert every night yeah it was every night for the first while for how long did he do it. It was at least a couple months. To the, <laughs> I know because my wife Sarah did not like Death Cab for Cutie before the pandemic yeah, started, yeah. and really enjoys him now, yeah. just because and that was our nightly routine. Yeah. During so the he shutdown. just did a live stream of just himself, just in his music room, and he would just record. It. And when you do that many nights, he did every song he has. Yeah. And and then covers and some weird and covers. Like, yeah, it was, yeah. So like really exciting. There was a lot of art 
that had to find new ways to survive that was beautiful, well, that, that we never would have gotten. And from a church standpoint, um, we have the opportunity. Like, we as the church are always saying, the church is not the building. Right. And and we that's a great thing to say. The church is the people, not the building. And then we had a year and a half <laughs> where we had, where to we put had our money where our mouth no was. building. Yeah. yeah, and many churches couldn't handle it, and so they got back to the building as quickly as they could. And uh, for many of us, we had to figure out, well, what are we if we're not the building? And for many churches, we figured out we don't know what we are. Right. And we still don't really know what we are, and that is scary. Yeah. And so we are desperately hoping that the building can come back as soon as we can, but... What we can do at this time, and, and the nice thing from a pastor's standpoint is a lot of pastors complain about, oh, I wish I could, I wish I could do real ministry. I have to put on all these fires, and I have to do all these programs, and we have like all this stuff. And I, I like to throw a strawberry festival out as a, I'm sure strawberry festivals are lovely, but that, in no way, I've never been to a strawberry festival, but I know they're big for some churches. And, I know they're in the book of first assumptions. Yeah, it's a thing that just happens that churches tend to do. It has nothing. It's not a bad thing, no. but there's a lot of energy put into a thing that's not inherently. It has no real connection to what we're what, to the body of Christ right. to to ministry, and so again, not a bad thing, but a lot of energy put into a thing that we just can't do anymore. And that's a classic example of things that churches do just because they've always done them, yep. and now we can't do them. And so a lot of terms of church leadership will complain about like oh, we have to put it just take, takes our energy away. Okay, now we don't have to do those things, right. and now we've had two years of not doing those things. So are we just waiting until we come back and we're going to pick up all these things that we? thought we shouldn't do anymore, or are we going to use this as an opportunity to uh, rebuild differently? Yeah. One of the things that I often, I love to point out that Chicago is a, is a really easy city to get around. And part of the reason is because Chicago is in the Midwest, so it's super flat, but a big part of the reason is that Chicago was a big city that burned to the ground. Hmm. 80% of the city was burned down in the Chicago fire. And it was a big enough city that at that point that they they were going to rebuild it. If it was smaller, they would have just been like, Chicago doesn't exist Bummer, anymore. Dude, yeah. yeah. Uh, but it was able to rebuild, but it was also a big enough city and it was new enough that they were like, we're going to rebuild it, but not the exact same way. We're going to rebuild it better. And so you have cities like Boston and New York that are a mess to get around, new, Washington, D.C., that are a mess to get around because yeah. they were built at a very specific time and it was too hard to change them by the time that like cars and things like that came into play and that, that, that transportation on a vehicle rather than via wheel, via, via feet. Yeah. Um, Cause they're old enough city and Chicago was that way, but Chicago burned all the way down and then they rebuilt it. They made all of the, the cities bigger or the streets wider. They made an upper and lower version of the busiest streets downtown. So there's upper whacker and lower whacker yep. and which doubled the ability of them to, to travel around. It was right at the right time that they had the technology to do all of these things. And they were forward thinking, knowing that they built a city for carriages instead of for foot traffic. And that translated well to cars and things like that. And so Chicago took this tragedy and rebuilt, not the exact same way, but better. Yep. So we as the church and we as humans can look at the things that suck about the pandemic, the things that we've lost, and we can either just wait around until we can start doing exactly what we used to do, what's familiar, and be annoyed with all of the things that we don't want to do anymore. Or we can use this time to recognize everything has burned to the ground. Yep. So when we put the effort into rebuilding it, which is going to suck and it's going to yeah. take time and it's going to be exhausting, but rather than rebuilding everything using the same blueprints we had before, let's use this time to really look at what it is that we should be doing, what it is that we actually are good at doing. Because some things the church should be doing... We're not good at. Well, and some, <laughs> some of the things that the church should have done 50 years ago, 
we don't need to do anymore. Right. There's a lot of things that were great for an era that doesn't exist anymore that we don't need to put our energy into anymore. Yep. And we're still doing it just because it worked once. It worked at, at another time. And we think maybe it'll work again. So let's keep on doing that. It's like me losing all this weight. I could save a lot of clothes and I have still saved a lot of clothes. I need to just get rid of a lot of these clothes that used to fit me that may fit me again in the future, but I don't, they don't fit me now. Right. So I should get rid of them. And it's, it's no good to save all this stuff that I don't need. And I think that we as a church are really good at saving stuff because like one day, maybe again, we'll have a VBS with a thousand kids or whatever it was. And so we should keep that around. Maybe we'll have a strawberry festival again. So let's keep that sign. Yep. When really we should, instead of putting energy into holding on to things that we might need, let's put all our energy into doing things that we could do now. Yeah. Doing things that ref reflect the people and the world that we live in right now. And I think all of that comes back to the plans idea and how tightly you hold on to them. Because, mm -hmm. like, yeah, I could have sulked that I keep missing out on Ben Gibber concerts, but I, 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 this has been my attitude during the pandemic, and it, I'm getting a little tired of it, but I'm not done yet. Like, from Ben's perspective, Ben Gibber's perspective, he could have spent the whole pandemic being ticked off that he's missing however many shows and not getting that income and, yeah. you know. What yeah. it, or let go of the plans to pick up something more creative. Yeah. I'm going to live stream. And why won't we do that? Let's just raise every night. He had a different um, charity that he was yeah. raising money for. Let's just raise money for charity. And what a great thing that he didn't like charge for those. Right. Let's, like the raising money was like a free offering. Yeah. Free if will. You want it's, to. Yeah. It's a, it was a, it was a, it was a, uh, um, a tip jar. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so had he held on to the plans, none of that would have happened. Mm -hmm. The more tightly we hold on to the plans that we have for ourselves, or even worse, the plans we think God has given us, even if he hasn't, mm. the tighter we hold on to those, the less creativity there is. Yeah, It's more just, it has to go this way, right? Yeah. Well, it's not going to. Yeah. <laughs> it's it, not always. Um, well, so, and the key part of that verse is, I know the plans yeah. that I have for you. Yeah, and I'm not telling. That, yeah, that's God <laughs> saying that to us. It's not, we both know the plans that I have made for you. Yeah. Uh, and... Our plans are not always God's plans, and we don't always know God's plans. And what that verse is saying is, trust me, yep. even though it doesn't seem like there's a plan to this, there is, trust and it'll me. work out. But in the meantime, do stuff where you are. Build houses, get married, like do the stuff that you get, like get rid of those clothes and just get clothes that fit you. Yep. Like stop trying to be the church that you were 30 years ago and be the church that you are right now. Stop trying to lament the fact that you can't that you spent a year not doing the things that you could do and spend time doing the things that you always wanted to do but you didn't have the time to do read yeah. the books that you need to read like exercise the way that you can like paint the rooms that you are learn how to do that thing that you wanted to do but you didn't have time to do yeah. we still are in the midst of that season yep so let's do something with it well and just to you know wrap this up with a nice neat little bow yeah tune in next week <gasps> For a story about plans that went awry. Oh. Yeah. Like yeah. This. How's that for a teaser? Mm. So uh, for those of you that somehow still follow us on Instagram, oh. Twitter, all those. Have we looked at any of those accounts in a little while? I have. There hasn't been any posts in a while. But there, I mean, there have been a couple of posts. So we've had some people send us some direct messages over the past four months. Right. Recommending some episodes. We hear oh. you and we see you and nice. we thank you. I think we have some guests coming up like... I want to call out Walter Harris specifically. Hey. Walter, I know I haven't reached out to you, Walter, but if you're listening to this right now, I'd love to do an episode. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you what it Ooh, is. I'm not gonna tell spoilers. the people because yeah. it'll be great. But Walter, I don't even know what it's I'm about. I'm gonna have Walter on as a guest if you're willing to be on to nice. talk about that. That'd be a, that'd be a great episode. Nice. Yeah, yeah. 
But to those of you, uh, this is a very specific question uh, for this week that I'd love everybody mm-hmm. to weigh in on. When have you had plans fall apart, the best of intentions fall apart, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it was a wildly successful thing? Yeah. That the plan fell apart, and you got to the other side of it and went, ooh, that was better. Better, yeah. That yeah. was way better. I like that. I like uh, that question. So, so hit us up, Twitter machine, Instagram machine. Yeah. Anything, uh, anything to plug this week? Other than I am way behind, this is a. I guess I'm plugging it for myself. I still have yet to watch Ted Lasso, and I know oh we want to do a, goodness. A, a episode. We have to on do it. an episode on Ted Lasso. I just, I'm so tired at the end of the day. I don't watch TV anymore. It, it will not exhaust you. This yeah. will, this will fill your heart with love. Yeah, I'll get there. I'll get. I'm not even watching like long time listeners know I watch the same shows over and over and West over Wing? again. You haven't watched West Wing in a while? Haven't watched West Wing, haven't oh. watched Futurama. Haven't watched I also Story haven't Rock. watched West Wing, so we're in the same, in the same, same boat. boat yeah. Yeah. I know that that was a long requested episode. of. Uh, our, our, oh, that's happening. Yeah, we need to do that, but there's seven seasons that I need to watch. You only have two uh, that you four. need to watch. <laughs> okay, you only need the, the first The Sorkin episodes. Yeah. I'm going to get to Alan Alda. Alan Alda doesn't come until the end. Alan Alda does a fine job. The writing is Alan still Alda. miserable. So that's it's, okay. That's it's okay. a bit watch, like watching a Ferrari on yeah. a go-kart track. Like, I've watched half a season of The West Wing. I very much enjoyed it, but it's not a show you can watch passively. There's right. so much. There there are like three episodes worth of dialogue packed into a 45-minute episode. Yeah. And uh, it's it's an exhausting show. It's Sorkin. In a yeah. great way, it's but it's Sorkin. exhausting. Yeah. What are you plugging? Uh, I will plug uh, oh several things. I will plug, uh, let's say this. I'll plug the Evermore and Folklore. <laughs> Uh, Bring it full albums circle. of uh, one Miss Taylor Tokyo Drift Swift. <laughs> um, I will not uh, plug any of the Fast and the Furious movies. Um, uh. I will plug. Uh, I'm watching the show White Lotus. I haven't finished it. Mm. It's, it's weird and confusing and okay. Um, oh, here's something I will, I'll plug. This is an old show, but it's on HBO Max right now. Have you watched the show Pushing Daisies? No. It is fantastic. Yeah. It is exactly the kind of show that Tyler loves. So I will, <laughs> I will plug the show Pushing Daisies. It's from I think the like late '90s, right. maybe early 2000s. Uh, it's it's directed by Barry Sonnenfeld, who did the Men in Black movies and the Adams Family movies, and exactly feels like that kind. Of, it is a very cute show, and it knows how cute it is, <laughs> and it is wonderful, and I love it, and. I would highly recommend it. It's a uh, the premise in general is that there's a guy who has the ability to touch someone who is dead and bring them back to life for one minute. And if he touches them again, then they die. And if he doesn't touch them, they stay alive, but somebody else dies. Whoa! And and then right within the first episode, uh, the the girl of his dreams, the love of his life, is killed. He brings her back to life, and then and she stays alive for longer than a minute, which means somebody else dies, and he can never touch her again. Because oh. if he does, she will die. Wow! And then he solves mysteries. Like it, it's basically, <laughs> I mean, like the, the the premise is that a private investigator realizes that, and so he solves murders by waking people up, and they tell him how they died, and then they get the remorse running for it. But like, it keeps on going with that. Yeah. It's it's delightful. Kristen Chenoweth is in it. Oh yeah. Um, also in West Wing. Yeah. Uh, the main guy is Lee Pace, who is a mm. who is who is. Uh, the bad guy in Guardians of the Galaxy, yep. like, but he is nothing like that in this <laughs> show. He's also like one of the weird elves in the Hobbit movies. Like he, he's, he's a really, blue. he's a really interesting. He's not blue in this okay. movie. He's also not cut like he is in, in Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> he's a weirdo, but a lovely weirdo in this show is fantastic. I highly recommend Pushing Daisies. It was canceled after two seasons, so I, I have not watched them all yet. But I know that it ends with no ending, so it's like a Firefly show that you're gonna uh. be really into and then feel really bad that it doesn't exist anymore. But it's lovely and it's very cute, and I highly recommend that show. Well, get to it, folks. You got a lot of watching to do. Yes, yes. Till next time. Oh, wait.
Oh boy, Bartleby! Oh my goodness, it's Bartleby! You gotta watch the door, buddy. Bartleby, that was I missed you. What were you doing there? Bartleby, do you have any information for us? Yes, I've got one bit of information for you. What is it? I'm what is it, Bartleby? Dying to know. Well, I've looked up when Mr. Tom Hanks was diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. Ah, yeah. so was it at the same time or after the NBA was canceled? Tom Hanks was diagnosed with COVID on March 3rd, or March 11th. <laughs> Tom Hanks was diagnosed with COVID on March 11th of 2020, and the NBA was canceled on March 11th of 2020. Uh-huh. Whoa. Same you're day. Telling, you're telling me that Jay was right? That's what I'm always telling you, Sam. Thank you, Bartleby. Bartleby, get out of here. I'm almost happy enough to give you a song. <laughs> all right. I hope that was really loud. <laughs> All right, thanks, Bartleby, for yeah. doing all this. Yeah, thank you for coming back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right, all right Have a rice cake. Yeah, you can have the bag of rice cakes. Get out of here. All right, well, Jay was right, and I'm Tyler. And I'm Jay. And this has been Rubbing, Rubbing the Passer. Goodbye. Bye. See you soon. See you next week, everybody. <laughs>